What's some of the cutting edge technology in dentistry? Well, I can for sure tell you Dandy is, and they are a fully digital lab that's revolutionizing the dental industry. I know you're tired of dealing with the same old time consuming, error prone lab processes. And Dandy's here to change all that. Let me tell you five quick reasons why you should switch to Dandy and start experiencing the future of dentistry right now. Number one, they have increased efficiency. I mean, with Dandy's digital solutions, you'll save time and streamline your workflow from digital impressions to 3D printing. Everything is faster and more accurate with Dandy. Number two, better patient outcomes. With Dandy's precision technology, you'll be able to provide your patients with custom fit dental appliances that result in better outcomes. Three, all-in-one management. Dandy's platform allows you to manage patient record appointments and lab work all in one place, saving you time and reducing the risk of errors. Expert training and support. Dandy's team of experts are always available to provide training and support whenever you need it, ensuring you have all the resources you need to succeed. And five, virtual consultations. With Dandy's virtual consultations, you can see patients from anywhere without ever leaving your office. It's a game changer for dentists everywhere, guys. And six, just a quick bonus, they're gonna give you a free three-shape trio scanner, so you're already saving over 20,000 bucks right there. So there you had it. Five, kind of six reasons why you should switch to Dandy and start experiencing the future of dentistry. So click on the first link in the show notes below and check them out. Right now they're giving a free three-shape trio scanner and $250 in lab credits just for being a listener of the Dental Marketer Podcast. So click the first link in the show notes below to find out more and don't settle for the same old lab process anymore. Join the revolution today and take your practice to the next level. Get dandy. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I'm speaking with the wonderful Dr. Jana Konovalenko. In order for you to hit your goals, you have to like what you're doing. You have to enjoy the process. You know how they always say it's not about the destination, it's the process? Mm -hmm. It really is. Meaning any lofty goals requires a lot of action over a prolonged period of time. In order to do that, there's only two ways. One is through self-discipline, which we all know one, it's hard. Second of all, you, that's how you get burned out, right? Mm -hmm. You take a lot, a lot of action and you're like forcing yourself versus way number two is when you enjoy the process and then it's a pull, right? You're pulling yourself towards your goal. So you may be thinking about it when your plane is taking off, but you're thinking about it in an inspiring and empowered way. And that will propel you to take more productive, massive action and feel good about it. We dive into a really, really important topic and subject. I recommend you guys reach out to her or just listen to this episode more than once. A couple of my key takeaways are, number one, taking action from a negative emotion will often result in a negative outcome. And we dive deeper into this. I mean, she breaks down everything for you guys. So everything you're going to be hearing on the takeaways that I'm giving you, we dive way deeper. The second one was, look at the reasons behind your money goals. Math is simple, but drama around money can be complex. Isn't that true? 100% true. Especially in order to get to a specific goal or in order to get to a specific number. I mean, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of drama behind that. So she dives deeper into that and the reasons why. We also discuss how if discipline is the only way to meet your goals, you may find yourself burning out. So there's other ways. She lets us know. We also discuss how tying your self-worth directly to your work performance is a fast track to negativity. And a lot of times we don't know we're doing this. Uh, so she dives much deeper into that topic too. And how marketing your practice is about how you can help people, not how you can get more patience. This was a really good and we really discussed the ins and out of that. And then how niching down your services when marketing will go a long way. And that's something she did. She's a orthodontist. She niched down. She, she really uh, dive deeper into that. But we discuss more about the burnout um, and the self-doubt in dentistry and how to build uh, to a full future, which is a fantastic, fantastic episode, guys. So I highly recommend you bookmark this episode, listen to it, re-listen to it. Um, so guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Jana Konovalenko. Dr. Hi. K, how's it going? Hi, Michael. I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. If you don't mind me asking right now, where are you located? 
Uh, I'm in Northern California on the peninsula uh-huh, in um, Foster City. Okay, nice, nice, awesome. So let's dive into it. Tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How'd you get to where you are today? Sure. It's, uh, it's a long, it's a long story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I try to make it short. So I am, I'm a board certified orthodontist, but I'm also a dental coach. That is my main focus and my passion is my coaching practice where I help busy doctors create a thriving work and life balance so they can succeed uh, without burning out. And the way I got there, so I'm a doctor and a coach. I am actually something that's called a foreign trained dentist. So I was born and raised not in the United States. I was born and raised in the Ukraine, uh, a country that sadly many people know more about now with mm-hmm. what's going on there. And uh, so I grew up there. My father is a dentist, so I come from a family of doctors. And when I was about 15, you know, I decided to go to dental school back home. It was actually in, in Moscow, in the Ukraine. But I've always had two passions. I've always wanted to study abroad. I don't even know why. <laughs> we didn't even have internet back then in the 90s. But I've always wanted to study abroad, and I always had passion for behavioral psychology, motivation, what makes people successful. Midway through dental school in Russia, I decided to move to Europe. So I turned 18, and on my own, I moved to Prague, Czech Republic. That's where I finished my dental school, five years in, in Charles University in Prague. Moved back to Russia, opened a general dentistry practice with my father, who still practices there. Worked there for about a year and decided that I wanted to move to the United States. So 13 years ago, I moved to the U.S., learned the language, went back to dental school. Your listeners who are foreign trained dentists would understand this track. If you are trained in another country uh, other than the U.S. as a dentist, when you move here, you have to get recertified, meaning you have to go back to dental school for a shorter number of years. It was two years for me. I went to University of Pacific here in California, in San Francisco. And after that, I decided to specialize in orthodontics. So I went to the residency on the East Coast in Philadelphia Temple and became an orthodontist. And after that, I decided, nah, it's too cold. Moving back. (laughs) Moved across the country again and have been practicing in Northern California since since I graduated. Okay, nice. A little bit how I became a dentist or orthodontist. And like I uh, mentioned to you, my passion has always been what make successful people successful. I've always Mm. been listening to tapes when I was like, since I was in my teens and early 20s, you know, classics, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, Martha Beck and Tony Robbins, you know, Mm -hmm. people like that. I've always had it in my in my ears that helped me reach to where I am in my career. And when I was practicing as an orthodontist in California, I was in a very busy practice where I saw close to 100 patients a day. And as you can imagine, it's, you know, you have to manage your mind really well to be successful and still have that work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And that's where I stumble across life coaching. Like it's becoming more knowing now what coaching is, but still people are like, hmm, a coach, what is it exactly? So I discovered life coaching. I hired my coach. She really helped me have that entrepreneurial mindset rather than an employee mindset where I was able to take control over just my life balance, really. And then I decided to get certified. I spent a year becoming certified as a life coach through, it's called the Life Coach School. There's different type of schools, but that's where I got certified in 2018. and. Fast forward, open my coaching practice, mostly because people around me noticed that something has shifted in me mm. and my colleagues start reaching out like, how are you so chill? You saw so many patients today. So I started coaching my friends who were also dentists. And then when the pandemic hit, I just decided to go full speed into coaching and started my business. It's called ZK Coaching. And uh, that's has become my main focus and my main passion. And you still have your like your practice, your orthodontic practice? Yes, I'm still a board certified orthodontist, correct? But most of my focus right now is in my coaching practice. Gotcha. Okay. So if you don't mind me asking, how many times do you practice clinically in like a month? It varies. It really varies depending on the demand. So it's really different months to month. Gotcha. Okay. So let's rewind a little bit. Why did you decide to become an orthodontist? Go that route. Yeah, such a good question. Why did I decide it? Because I had a teacher in dental school who believed in me that I could. (laughs) Let's put it this way. Orthodontics seemed interesting, seemed different. You know, in general dentistry uh, or in dental school, you're not exposed very much to orthodontics. As a general dentist, you do pretty much all of the procedures except for orthodontics, like root canals, 
surgical extractions, things that endodontists, root canal specialists focus on you doing dental school, some of it, so you get experience. Extraction of wisdom teeth, for example, or difficult extractions, so-called surgical extractions, you do that in dental school. That's what oral surgeons do. You probably don't place implants, although it depends on the dental school. So you kind of get exposed to different pediatric dentists, right, working with kids. You do that in dental school. So you get exposed to all of the specialists, except for orthodontics. You don't really move teeth as a dental student. And I just remember peaking in an orthodontic residency program at my school at UOP, and thinking, wow, this is so cool. You know, it's just, you can move teeth. Like, what is happening right now from one side to another? <laughs> that seemed like so futuristic. And I was like, I don't know. It's so competitive. Like, should I, should I not? And, you know, one of my instructor, you know, basically was a life coach <laughs> kind of type thing and said, yeah, you totally should. You know, like that little train. I thought I could, so I did. Yeah. I just decided that would be very interesting. And I was always also drawn to aesthetic and like complicated cases. And I also thought as a woman who had envisioned a path of having a family, you know, in the future, I thought that my work, work-life balance would be better with orthodontics versus, for example, surgery. Although I'm sure there's oral surgeons who have work-life balance. That's how I thought about it at that time. So that's why I decided to go the the route of orthodontics. Okay, nice. So then fast forward a little bit and you decided to hire a coach. I mean, you've always been interested in like motivation, what makes successful people successful, like you said. But where was the moment where you were like, I need something. This can't continue to happen like this. What, What was that like? Yeah, let me see when it was. I think it was 2017. I think I was at the gym. I almost remember that. And I was running on the treadmill as many, many successful people, you know, work out to not just be in shape, but like be in mental shape, right? Mm -hmm. And I just remember running on the treadmill and thinking, I am still thinking about my patients. Like I am still constantly reliving all these cases and like, like, I just want a break. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have this break. Right. And, you know, I'm the kind of person who listens to podcasts when I work out, not so much music. I think I was looking for something like efficiency, productivity, you know, I was always interested in how how to be like top organizer. Mm -hmm. Um, And the podcast came out, the Life Coach School podcast. So I started listening to her and I was just blown away by the principles that she was talking about. They had to do with mind management around life, really everything. That's when I decided to hire her and things that I had learned completely changed the way I looked at work and my goals and my personal life and just where I was heading and how I was thinking about it. That really helped me be 100% present at work when I was at work and not take it home. I think that was kind of like a pivotal moment for me where I honestly just ended up hiring a life coach and I didn't look for it. It wasn't like a thing, at least for me, that I knew about. But it was truly a pivotal moment in my life and career, obviously, Mm -hmm. since I became a life coach. That changed everything for me. Yeah, because that's super common, John, where like you're at night, you're thinking about work. In the morning, you're thinking about work. On your vacation, you're thinking about work. You know, it's just like life of an entrepreneur. So yeah. How did that change, especially when you're looking at goals? Because if you you're taking a flight right to your vacation and you're like you're thinking about new goals, mm-hmm. you're, you're creative. and You're like, oh, man, I'm excited about this. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it depends how you look at it. Right. So if you're looking at it in a way that's disempowering you, that's probably not a good thing, because whenever you take action from a negative emotion, you're not going to create a favorable outcome most of the time. You really don't. So the way the life designed it, actually, which is great, because in order for you to hit your goals, you have to like what you're doing. You have to enjoy the process. You know how they always say it's not about the destination, it's the process. Mm -hmm. It really is. Meaning any lofty goals requires a lot of action over a prolonged period of time. In order to do that, there's only two ways. One is through self-discipline, which we all know, one, it's hard. Second of all, you, that's how you get burned out, right? Mm-hmm. You take a lot, a lot of action and you're like forcing yourself versus way number two is when you enjoy the process and then it's a pull, right? You're pulling yourself towards your goal. So you may be thinking about it when your plane is taking off, but you're thinking about it in an inspiring and empowered way. And that will propel you to take more productive, massive action and feel good about it. Gotcha. So can you give me an example then like on how we can utilize this? So 
I mean, obviously a lot of us are like, I want to have goals to like, you know, reach a million by the end of the year and collections or whatever, right? Is that something like you would say, yeah, you should add that in your life, uh, like goals, coaching, or is it more like be content with 800,000 and you have the freedom and, and you know what I mean? Kind of thing like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I approach it, and that's definitely a topic that I coach my clients a lot on. So I always tell them, especially when it comes to the revenue goals, the money goals, there is math and then there's drama. Math is simple. Drama is what I help you with as a life coach. Mm-hmm. For example, let's say you make a million dollars in revenue as a general dentist a year and you really want to make two for whatever reason. So we would. First dive in, why do you want to make two? It's totally fine. It kind of goes back to how you said, should you be content? Like your reason. If you want to make two million just because Dr. Jones next door is making two and you feel better about yourself, this is probably not a strong enough reason for you to do what it takes to get to two million. Mm-hmm. But if it's because you just want to, that's a good enough reason. Or you want to be able to impact more people in your community. That's a good reason. Maybe it's because you want a different lifestyle for yourself or your, or your family. Do you feel good about it? That's a good enough reason. So we start with the reason why you want it. If you like your reason, then the rest is just math. This is what I coach my clients on. Okay, you want to make $2 million, uh, in a year? Then tell me, we reverse engineer the result. How many weeks a year do you want to work? So let's say you want to take... Two months off a year. Okay, 52 minus eight is 44 weeks you will be working that year. How many days a week do you want to work? See, people don't think about that. How many weeks, uh, days a week do you want to work? Okay, I want to work four days. That's a typical for a general dentist. Okay, so then that means I think it's something around 178 days if I do my math, math right. And then you just divide two million by the number of days that you're going to work. So then you have the production goal that you need to make per day. I think it's going to be something around $11,000, $11,500. And now when you look at that number, that helps you now narrow down, okay, how much should I charge? What kind of procedures should I focus on? Who will be my target market that I'm going to attract? How will I brand myself to attract that target market? And what is the value that I'm producing that they will actually want? And then you just do the rest. Gotcha. I mean, it sounds easy, Zanya, but like, You've seen it, right? Like a lot of us aren't doing it like that. Or something happens. What happens where it's like, maybe we do the reverse engineering, we make it happen, but then I guess life happens, right? Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, an unexpected pregnancy or, oh my gosh, I'm getting something happened, a natural disaster. I don't know. Things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what, where the burnout comes or where does that come? Yeah. You know, I, the way I see it is, and the way I coach my clients is that something happens is the way your brain talks to you or behaves to stop you from getting that goal. See, I always explain to people in a very basic way that we have two types of brains. We have our primitive brain that just wants to keep us safe, right? It wants us to protect us from pain, give us pleasure and keep us condensing energy. And then we have this higher brain that is capable of planning and, you know, setting goals. So when you set your revenue goals and you do the math and you decide, you know, what you need to do, that's you're using your higher brain. Mm -hmm. But then when you say life happens, like some circumstance happens, you get pregnant or I don't know what other examples you gave me. You don't feel like it or staff members quit, your marketing person goes on, I don't know, something, right? Mm -hmm. These things happen. Our brain, our primal brain kicks in and our primal brain's only job is to keep us from taking action. It does not want us to move because the safest thing to do is to stay like in bed under covers, watch Netflix and eating. It's <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. safest way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Don't put yourselves into harm's ways. So you always go to your default unless you manage your brain, I mean, unless you manage the messages that are literally popping all these sentences every day in your brain. So when people say life happens, I always help them make it more specific because life happens very vague. Mm-hmm. And when something is very vague, we can't solve for it, for it. There's no fixing. There's no solving. Life just happens. But when I coach clients and we narrow down exactly what happened, then there's always a solution. For example, you said pregnancy happens. Okay, so I would ask my client, what do you make it mean? What does that mean that you're pregnant? And there's always some sort of a story that their primal, like that scared brain is telling them. Oh, I won't be able to work 
or I will get tired, or maybe I'll be sick, or all these things. And I always like to say, okay, let's write a whole list of obstacles, and then we're going to turn them into solutions. That's what life coaching does. Unlike a consultant, it doesn't tell you what to do. It's not just about like steps or strategy, because those don't always work unless you have, unless your mind is there, right? Mm -hmm. Coaching helps you tap into your own resourcefulness so that you can figure out very quick and clear ways to solve solutions. So in case of a pregnancy or let's say half of your staff quit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so neutral circumstance Let's figure out all of the obstacles right now. Let's say there's nobody tomorrow to like open the office. How are we going to solve it? But if you just say life happened, you can't solve for that. You see? See what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? When you like really narrow down, become extremely specific, anything can be solved. Uh So you like hyper focus on the situation kind of thing, right? Instead of. You always have to because brain just likes to throw hands up in the air and say it can't be done. Mm -hmm. And you have to zoom back in and say, well, what exactly are we talking about here? Gotcha. Kind of like going back to the basics. So can you give me an example and also like a really good definition of what burnout is exactly? Sure. I feel like sometimes we're like, I'm just burnt out. But it's like, are you tired or are you like, st-? I feel like sometimes I can, you know, you can work all day and you feel still excited and happy, but that's not burnout. So, or is it? I don't know. Yeah. Good question. So a true, true burnout is like a combination of mental and physical state where you're at a point where you literally cannot get out of bed, right? You are just so down, you have zero energy, you're completely exhausted, and you can barely move around like your environment, right? And it has three stages of the burnout. First stage, so it's not like you wake up and you just literally burned out like a Mm -hmm. match. The stages are typically, first, you feel very low energy, you're very tired, you're constantly exhausted, you're having these perpetual thoughts like, oh, another day at the office, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're looking at the clock, and you're thinking, oh, my God, another hour, another patient, right? Stuff like that. Then there's that second stage where you becoming, it's called depersonalization, where you become very cynical, right? Where you like, look at your schedule and Let's say you say, oh, is my 4 p.m. here yet? Like you don't call people even by their names, right? You call ah. them by a time, right? Or like, did that crown prep show up or are they running late? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're deep, like you are taking the person, like a person out, like you're grouping together your patient, your person with the procedure that you're doing or their time slot or their schedule. And then the last stage is where you are just constantly unsatisfied with your own achievements. Like nothing you do is good. You're self-critic. You know, we all have that inner voice that's self-critical. That's always like, oh, I should have said this or my hair was wrong or I should have changed the angle on the video or something like that. That critic becomes so loud that you just can't stop. You're not happy with anything you do. It would look like, you know, I should have cleaned the cement more around that crown that I prepped. Oh, my stitches were not great after that surgery or orthodontist. I didn't finish with a great overbite. I could have created a better overjet for that patient. But that's for every single person. So you become extremely self-critical of yourself, of others. And that mental state becomes psychosomatic, meaning so many thoughts, negative thoughts start affecting your body so that you physically have no energy and you cannot almost get out of bed. You can barely function. That is a true burnout. And that is something where life coach cannot help you. You know, you have to see a psychologist, psychiatrist. You might need even medication therapy. If you're, a non, if you're non-functional as an individual in a society, life coaching is not the best option for you. You can work together, you know, with a therapist and a life coach, but that's something you want to address first. What you were talking about, you know, how people say, oh, I'm so burned out. You know, I'm feeling like I'm burning out. That's not true burnout. It's pre-burnout. But nobody really calls it pre-burnout. So I usually tell people I'm a burnout coach. <laughs> and then when I do consultations with clients, that's when I determine are they in true burnout or are they in pre-burnout? But if somebody can get on a call with me, they're probably not burned out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they're yeah. functioning, they're walking, they could press the button. <laughs> yeah. So the I am burnout uh, phrase that's been thrown out there regularly is typically like a mental state which has several characteristics. Typically, uh, you become pre-burnout when you do a lot of work, a lot more work to get somewhere. So in other words, you're not, hit, like you, you have your goal, you want to 
make a certain amount of money or you want to produce 10 podcast episodes a month because you want to have this rating. And you don't see that rating, so you start producing more and more and more. And so like you're taking so much action and it's not rendering the result that you want. But all this action has an effect on your mentality and your physical body. So you're getting in this pre-burnout state. And those qualities that lead to that is typically perfectionism. So people who mm. hold themselves to unrealistic standards, right? This, we can't be perfect. It's yeah. impossible. But perfectionists, they understand that intellectually, but they're like, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to try. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, I know. I get it. I understand. You cannot be perfect, but I'm really going to try. Mm-hmm. And that's what sets you up for failure. So perfectionistic mentality, people pleasing. And a lot of the, that's a big one, especially for dentists. We are trained to follow these protocols to cut this perfect class two cavity or have this perfect class one molar. You know, when we finish an orthodontic case, like we are literally trained to be micro focused on a perfect outcome, really. And that permeates your life and your personality. So it's really hard to separate what you do at work. Like, sure, strive to do your best is different than strive to be perfect because it's unattainable Mm -hmm. and it leads you to take extra amount of action that you're just literally spinning the wheels and not moving in a productive way towards your goal. And that creates burnout, right? So perfectionism be uh, people pleasing, which kind of like a side effect of perfectionism where, you know, you want to do your best and you have these unrealistic expectations of what you can achieve. And so when patients come into you, you want to accommodate them no matter what, because you're tying in your self-worth to your work, right? In other words, you're thinking, you know, I'm a good doctor if I can help every patient. I'm a good doctor if the patient leaves me a good yield review, right? Like you're tying in your self-worth to your work. And these are two separate things. And when you do that, then you want to please everyone, right? Because you want them to say, oh, you're so great. Thank you, doctor. You're amazing. You're the best. I'm going to write your yield review, which has nothing to do with you as a person. And that has everything to do with the service that you provide, but the service cannot be perfect because it's impossible. So you're becoming unrealistic with what you're promising to your patients. And when you cannot meet what you had promised them, you start people pleasing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And that just leaves you feeling icky because it's unauthentic. You know, you start going, oh, yes, you know, Mr. Smith, you came for the third time this week without an appointment. That's okay. We're going to squeeze you in. You know, you came an hour late for your appointment. Oh, that's okay. We're going to squeeze you in because you're afraid that if you don't, Mr. Smith will get so upset and maybe throw a tantrum or write you about your preview or, I don't know, scream at your staff and something like that. So you're not setting these healthy boundaries Mm. that these patients really need. You know, boundaries is another big component because you don't understand your own limitations as a clinician and as a person. And then the last one is it's a personality who's highly self-critical you know, low self-esteem, people mm-hmm. who are like, have a lot of self-doubt, uh, which sadly happens in a lot of women dentists, which has to do with the way we're socialized. You know, men and women are socialized a little bit differently. So we're not as assertive as men. And we tend to be more, more looking within ourselves and criticizing ourselves. That's why there's so fewer women leaders in dentistry, especially, you know, who are stepping forward and leading the industry. So we tend to be more self-critical. So when you are perfectionist expecting impossible things from you and you're self-critical no matter what you do you find the flaws so you'll end up people pleasing because you want them to like you and then at the end you feel just crappy (laughs) because you're not showing up as yourself you're not being authentic and you can't deliver what you had promised which feeds even more being self-critical you end up doing extra work going more and more miles for people who will never be pleased and you end up burning out so it's like a let me see if I got this right. So, so if you're being very self-critical, mm-hmm. you tend to, you said compensate with perfectionism? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, perfectionism. And then that's impossible to reach, right? right. Be perfect. So then you tend to people please. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody gets upset, then you'd be self-critical again. So it's like a little, it's a, it's a it's cycle. A, exactly. So it's a wow. self-perpetuating cycle, which forces you, like the only solution that your brain can come up with, well, I have to do more. And you start doing more work that's not necessarily a thought through work, right? Like, for example, you just start accommodating all these patients who show up without an appointment. 
You start giving them discounts just because you want them to like you. Like it's completely defeating the goal of your revenue and what you're set to do, mm-hmm. right? Which also ties in, you probably haven't thought about your brand and what's your positioning with these people, right? Because you're starting to mix your personality with your business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you just start spinning the wheels, throwing every all the resources that you have and burning out, unfortunately. So then when people you know, end up coming to me, we have to unpack all of this and go back to the basics. Okay, what exactly success looks like for you at the office? What exactly does it look like for you at home? And let's make sure that your self-worth as a human has nothing to do with these two. Your self-worth is absolute. There's nothing you can do or say that will make you more worthy or less worthy. So once you start with that, dealing with your business and your personal life becomes so much easier. See what I'm saying? Yeah, you're able to separate kind of the, the two mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, because I think that's the hard part. I feel like a lot of times we we don't separate it or we go through seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And I I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, Jana, but like sometimes I believe like there's going to be seasons where you're going to have to work really hard, right? And it's going to be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything. And then there's seasons where you're like, yeah, we could watch Netflix today or, you know what I mean? We could relax and stuff like that. But there's hardly ever a moment where everything kind of just feels balanced, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you could do it this way, but you could also a little bit even things out because a feeling of balance is a feeling that's created by your thoughts. So there's sometimes things in life where it's easier to do something and sometimes it's harder. Like, for example, weight loss actually comes up a lot for my clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's, I'm trying to think, if it's September, or August or September, it's easier for people to lose weight when rather when it's end of October and November and December, right? Like mm-hmm. the holidays period because of the environment. So people always say, oh my gosh, the holidays come in. There's no way I'm like around all these food pushers. It's so much harder. So it's kind of like that roller coaster that you described that people think that it's easier to lose weight when they're not surrounded by holidays and cookies and, and turkey and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But that's really your perception, your mindset, because if you created a sustainable goal for weight loss and how many pounds you want to lose per month and what are all the actions that will take you there, right? Like I'm going to work out five times a day. I'm going to walk 10,000 steps. I'm going to drink 64 ounces of water. I'm going to be eating, you know, two meals, four ounces of protein and veggies. Like you, you become very specific, right? Then it doesn't matter. Then it's holidays. All you have to do is just manage your mind around you know, I'm at a dinner table and my plan says to do this. And Mary here is passing a pumpkin pie. So you just have to manage your thoughts around, well, I want it. Like a simple <laughs> thought as I want it, that creates, yeah. right? Like an urge for you. We think it's a fact. Like I want it means I should have it, right? So mm-hmm. it creates that roller coaster effect. But if you level it out and you expect, remember that I was telling you about obstacles and strategies. If you anticipate all the obstacles that might happen, and the majority of obstacles really are our thoughts. How are we going to think about what my mom says who baked a pie? She's going to think that if I don't eat it, I don't love her. Yeah. It's yeah, not about, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, we yeah, do these things you. to ourselves. Yeah. But if you explain to her, mom, I love you more than anything. And I'm going to have that pie tomorrow. But right now I'm just not hungry or I choose not to. Then it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a very different experience where you can equalize and balance out your effort when it's planned. Remember with that a higher brain, mm-hmm. when you plan it out and then you manage your mind around it so that you don't have this mind drama, then you can just execute the math and everything becomes more balanced and playing field. So you don't have to go through up and down. Okay. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I want to ask you so much more about this stuff, but when we focus on like the business side of it, what can a dentist do today to improve their, their marketing and business with this? Yeah. So as a dental coach, I think about marketing very differently than as a practitioner would. So the way I think about marketing is really you are telling people that you can help them. That's all that marketing is. The majority of doctors think of marketing as a way to get new patients. Mm -hmm. And when you think about, oh, I have to get people to come to my practice because my practice needs money or something like that. That's kind of like an icky way to think about it. No wonder they don't go and they don't take action, mm-hmm. right? That's why there's a lot of strategies on marketing out there. There's a lot of great advice, but unless you have the mindset of the person who 
who, get, who gave you that advice, you're not likely to create the same result as their strategy promises. Mm-hmm. Right? Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Because somebody will say, okay, let's go on social media. Right now, social media is big. You have to market your practice on Instagram. They can even give you like the marketing strategy for Instagram. They're going to say, this is what you're going to do. You have to have a long po- post, a short post, a carousel, a reel, and a testimony. But if your mindset as a doctor is, oh, that sucks. I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm, what is a reel even? Like, I am horrible on camera. Mm-hmm. What kind of reels do you think they will create? Probably not the ones that will ex- attract a lot of patients, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you think about marketing is, this is just me telling people that I can help them. Isn't that great? You're just, you're, your sign is open. I'm here open for you to come here and I'll help you. And I always look at it as a trifecta. So in order to be confident in telling people that you can help them, you need to believe in your product or service. You need to believe in your client or your patient. And you need to believe in yourself as a clinician. So let me give you an example for dentistry. You need to believe in your product. What services are you providing? What exactly is your dental practice doing? Are you a general dentist? Are you a specialist? I am a big proponent of having a niche. I really believe in niching down. And here's why. A lot of doctors are afraid to niche down because they are afraid that they will turn down, turn away some patients, right? They want to attract everyone as much as possible. But if you market to everyone, you attract no one. The buying behavior of people has changed, especially since the pandemic. People still want to buy the best product, but they also want to buy it from the best person, which means that their values need to align with yours or the other way around. Your values need to align with theirs. They want to know about you. Like, for example, you, Michael, you help practices with... Ground marketing. Uh Right. For Mm -hmm. marketing. And you do this by helping put the doctor's story in the forefront, create the website around their story. That is the part of marketing where you connect with your customer. You tell them your story, right? You, this is your branding too. Like they need to resonate with your values. And that's okay that some people will not like you, but then some people will love you and they're not going to hesitate. They're going to come and they're going to bring their friends, right? That's how you create the brand recognition and loyalty. Like for example, When you think about Starbucks, what do they market? Coffee, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you think coffee, you think Starbucks. Do they they sell sandwiches? Yeah. Do you go to Starbucks for sandwiches? No. Mm -hmm. So by focusing on one thing, one niche, coffee equals Starbucks, you will attract those people. And then you can, you know, increase uh, or add other products that you are, that you're selling or other other, uh, services that you're providing because these people are already in-house. Mm-hmm. This is how it might look like for a dentist, you know, as a general dentist. And I think dentists also do that a lot, like marketing. I am a cosmetic dentist, right? I do just just be the, the guy or the gal on the block who does amazing veneers, right? It doesn't mean that you don't do root canals and crowns and, you know, fillings, but be known for that one thing. Don't be afraid to niche down and really get good at this because people want to buy the best product, right? So believe, believe in your service, what you're providing, be really great at it or be like an aligner company, uh, practice, right? Create that brand recognition and that's what will attract your clients. So that's number one, mm. believe in your product or service. Number two is believe in your client. Really think that your patients want help. They want what you have to offer and what you have to offer will change their life for the better. Like really, like zoom out. Don't just be a doctor who's diagnosing teeth and decay. Look how, what, what is the, the service that you will provide for them, the experience that you will provide for them will have an effect on their life. So if you really believe that you have the best product for that person that will benefit from having smile makeover or better bite or cavity-free mouth and educated about oral health so that they can educate their uh, children and, you know, have a whole healthy family. The last piece is believe in yourself as a clinician. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to embrace and embody that you are the best person to help that patient. So when when all this trifecta is working, that's when you will market in the most efficient and most confident way, really. I have the best product, people want it, and I'm the best person to do that for them, to give that service uh, to them. Now I just have to tell them, I have to go meet people, tell them that I'm a dentist, and make them offers to help. 
Yeah. So that's how I look about marketing. Okay. And I feel like a lot of the times we get kind of like tunnel vision or or maybe clouded with like, we just took out a huge loan, we opened up a practice and now we got to get these new patients like as quickly and as possible. And we kind of go really fast over these three things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that typically, that typically happens because that primal brain kicks in. I right? was trying to keep you safe, mm-hmm. right? Because the primal brain's job is to make sure you don't take any action. So whenever these sentences pop in your head, oh, I just took out this practice loan, we have to make money. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to have a practice. You don't have to be a dentist. Like, you don't have to get out of bed. You choose to. Now ask yourself, why do I choose to do that? Do you see, you feel like it's a little bit, it's a lot more empowering question to ask yourself that. So that is talking to yourself this way and just be, be kind with yourself. You know, it's okay. It's just my conditioning. This is my habitual thinking is telling me about this loan and the pressure that I'm putting on myself and stuff like that. That's okay. Your opinion is noted, but I'm going to focus on what actions can I take to actually efficiently, successfully get to my goal by serving people. That's, I think, what doctors always often forget, that you're not just there to make money or diagnose cavities or extract decayed teeth or straighten their teeth. You're there to serve people. How can you best serve people? Think about that, you know, or when you are networking with other doctors for specialists, you know, they go network with general dentists. When you go to the networking event, there was, I think it was like a study where they looked at 250 people who showed up to a networking event and they said, everybody raised their hand who came here to sell something to another person. Everybody raised their hands, all 250. And they said, and now raise hands who came here to buy something. One person raised their hand. That's why people hate networking events, right? Uh Because we feel like this pressure, like, oh, I have to sell myself or my practices or like send me send me patients, send me uh, referrals and stuff like that. But if you're thinking, how can I serve them, right? Because there's always value exchange in anything you're doing. You just have to think about it this way. So let's say for me, for an orthodontist, if I'm an orthodontist and I'm going to go meet my referring dentist, general dentist, or just any dentist on the block, I want them to refer me patients. What's in it for them? Like It's not just dropping off donuts and saying, hi, Dr. K, I'm next door. Mm-hmm. Send me patience. Yeah. Like, what's in it for them? It goes back to that tripod of belief system. What is that specific value that I can provide to your patients? If I am the veneer doctor, you know, I do the best veneers. You know, if your patients need veneers and need smile makeover, I can help them. See this like value exchange. There's something for that referring doctor that you do as another doctor or a specialist. And when you approach it this way, it, it takes this weird selliness out of it because you're not selling anything, really. Marketing is not selling. You're just trying to help people, show people that you can help them, right? So like thinking about us a little bit differently is very helpful. Yeah. I like that a lot. The reciprocity effect, right? Like this right. is what we can do for you kind of thing. Yes. Okay, awesome. Yes. So then right now, another question is, what would you like to see more from a dentist? You can put yourself in the shoes of the general population. Right. Or you can put yourself in the shoes of, of what you do as a life coach and think about what would I want to see more from them? What do I feel like they're neglecting or what do I feel like maybe they can be doing increasing more on? Just like as, as a doctor in, in their practice in terms of service or in terms of marketing? It could be in terms of it can be in terms of both and both. Yeah. Let's go for that. Yeah. So I think it goes back to that niching, you know, have it being specific in something. I think very helpful will be for doctors is to figure out what's their target market is because then they can help the best these people these patients because these patients will receive the exact experience that they want and that would help doctors too match with more uh, patients so i would love for you know my colleagues to really look at the map where they're at hopefully they have done it before they purchase the practice mm-hmm. they can do it now and if they figured out that you know, uh, their practice is focused on dentures, but they're in the middle of the Rodeo Drive in LA. That's probably not the service you want to be selling, right? So yeah. you might want to shift a little bit. Or sometimes, honestly, the best solution is just to sell the practice and do all that homework and move somewhere else. You know, I always tell my clients, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Right? You kind of have mm-hmm. to decide. So really looking into your target market, who is 
in your vicinity, what do people want, right? And you can do that by, you know, studying the demographics or really get to know your, your client, your patient. I think what's really helpful and would benefit both patients and doctors is look at your competitors, look at their yield reviews, look at what people are talking, what are patients not happy about, and then solve that in your practice. That will not only help you help more people, but more people will be helped with something that they need and your competitors are missing. Mm -hmm. Right? You see that? Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, really, like I said, look at your numbers, figure out what your goals, figure out how you want to run your practice, what do you want to charge, what kind of people you want to attract, and what would serve them best. Like what would, what kind of product or service you can create that will really like create amazing experience for them because Mm -hmm. then that will really benefit your patients and that will help you grow your practice too. Yeah. So I think having this like niche down approach and be really specific and serving would be helpful for both. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then right now, someone who's pretty involved in like social media, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're out there and everything and also like you're involved in the industry, but I really appreciate that you're also involved in like the lives, right? Of a lot of these practice owners and dentists. So I want to ask you right now, looking at it from your point of view, what do you hate and then what do you love about dentistry? Ooh, what do I hate and what do I love about dentistry? How interesting. In terms of social media, I think I'll start with what I love. I think what I love is that I think more doctors are understanding the importance of like personal branding and bringing, bringing their own personality to their businesses, right? There's two, there's two schools of thoughts when it comes to branding your business. You can either create this business persona that represents your brand that is kind of like faceless, meaning you don't have to like necessarily put your own pictures everywhere, especially on social media and stuff like that, maybe just one. But your customers get a sense of like the energy, the aura around your business. Like what exactly are you a boutique? Are you high volume? Like what, where exactly do you stand? So that's one approach, like this business entity, or you can just be yourself and you're your own brand. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what I do in my business. Like what you see is my brand is me. And I think that creates, you know, the like and trust, the two important components for people to, to buy from you. Right. And I think a lot of doctors are starting to embrace that, which is very hard. So I like that, that doctors are starting to do that. And I, um, you know, I applaud them because as professionals, we are, we're, we're taught to be professional, right? Like personal life and professional are completely separate, you know, like tight upper lip type thing. <laughs> but people are buying from people, you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't just hide behind the mask of the white coat because there's a person behind there. And as much as we want to be perfect, people know we're not. <laughs> but they really appreciate if you're passionate about it. So that kind of bleeds into what I, I wouldn't say I hate, but I wish I could see more doctors being more passionate about what they're doing, which I think has to do with really finding that niche that you love. And then when you are passionate about it, people actually, customers perceive passion as in we are going to do a better job for them. Mm -hmm. Because if, like, think about it, a doctor who just comes in in a consult room and just spits out diagnosis I mean, you're, you're just sitting there thinking like, like you're an idiot because they're just talking all this terminology at you and then they tell you everything that's wrong with you and how much it's going to cost, right? Versus a doctor who comes and they love what they do. They're interested in you. They want to incorporate work that they are recommending for you with your lifestyle and how it's going to all make it work with, you know, how much it costs and stuff like that. Who would you rather go? Probably to the second doctor, right? Because mm-hmm, yeah. you think like he or she will do a better job for you because they care. So I would really wish that doctors embraced more the importance of, you know, personal branding and the mindset that they bring to their daily work and finding the area that they truly love and improving as much as possible in that niche of dentistry that they're doing. Because I think that will bring the best value to both the doctors and the patients. Awesome. Okay. Zanya, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, sure. So the main area they can find me is on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out the most. And in the show notes, we'll probably leave my my coordinates. It's just my name, Dr. Jana Konovalenko. And there is, I have a mailing list where I send weekly motivational and inspirational nuggets for doctors to become thriving leaders in dentistry. 
So we'll probably leave a link to that too. So it can hop on that mailing list. Awesome. So guys, yeah, that will all be in the show notes below. So definitely reach out to Jana after that. And thank you so much for being with us on this podcast. It's been a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Jana, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We truly appreciate it. Guys, like I said, if you want to reach out to her, go in the show notes below, click on her links. Uh, and yeah, reach out to her, especially if you want to discuss more about this topic. It's really, really important. I think we should, you know, kind of continue to talk about it. So if you want, join the free, the Dental Marketer Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. You can join in there on the conversation where we discuss this topic and we talk with our guests and many other guests as well. You can ask more questions and concerns that you have. So um, we'll see you in there. And at the same time, don't forget to check out Dandy. Remember, Dandy has helped many practice owners and dentists make more money by streamlining the restorative procedures and reducing the time and costs associated with traditional impressions and model making processes. So by leveraging digital workflows and state-of-the-art technology, Dandy enables dentists to provide more efficient and accurate restorations, which can result in higher patient satisfaction, more referrals, and increased revenue for the practice. Additionally, Dandy's team of experienced technicians and support staff provide personalized service and support, 100%. And that can help you save time and focus on delivering quality care to your patients. So overall, Dandy's digital lab services can help you optimize your workflow, increase productivity, and grow your practice. And as a bonus, new Dandy customers will receive a free scanner, 100% free, $20,000 right there for free just for you. So guys, click on the first link in the show notes below to check out more, schedule a free personalized demo with Dandy, and then at the same time, check to see if it's a perfect fit for you. If it is, boom, you guys get your free digital scanner, and at the same time, you will get $250 in lab credit just for being the Dental Marketer Podcast listener. So thank you guys so much for always supporting the podcast. I appreciate it. Go in the show notes below. Click on the first link in the show notes below. Check out Dandy. And the quote for this episode, I think it would be fitting since we are talking about the burnout and dentistry and the negative uh, thoughts and things like that. This is from the book, Master Your Emotions. And it's when you give thoughts room to exist, they spread and become major points of focus. Interesting. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you in the next episode.